Welcome to Your AHA Life, the podcast for high achievers who want more for their lives, more joy, more purpose, and more fulfillment. I'm your host, Tanya Harris Cornelius. I believe wholeheartedly that you don't have to choose between career success and personal fulfillment. You can have both. In each episode, I will provide stories of insight and inspiration to help you craft the life you dream of living, your AHA life. Let's get started. Well, hello, everyone. This is Tanya Cornelius. I'm so happy to be with you today, and I'm really excited to have a friend join me all the way from Australia. I have Simon Drew on the line with me. Hi, Simon. Hey, Tanya. How you doing? I'm doing great now that we've taken care of some of these technical issues <laughs> across the waters. Um, so I'm so happy that you are you have joined me today. I think we have a really exciting topic that um, the Your AHA li- listeners will really enjoy. Um, before we jump in, though, let me just read to them a little bit about you, and then we'll jump in from there. Sure, not a problem. Okay, so Simon Drew is an Australian alignment coach, musician, and podcaster. As an alignment coach and host of the Practical Stoic podcast, Simon has helped people all around the world to improve their lives and see better results using the ancient philosophical ideas found in Stoicism. Again, I wanna welcome you, Simon, and I'm so looking forward to our conversation. Tonya, me too. I'm I'm really excited. And I, you know, I love what you're doing here. And you've obviously got a, you know, a thriving group of people who are trying to live that aha life, like we've talked about in the past. And, uh, you know, I'm I'm really glad that you're having me on. I'm I'm glad that you trust that I have something, uh, maybe of value to add. Oh, I know you do. I know you do because you've helped me already so much. And just for my listeners, uh, I came to Simon, I came to know Simon, uh, just found his podcast uh, one day, the Practical uh, Stoic podcast, and fell in love with it. So I listened to it every week, um, and I've been catching up on some of the episodes. And I also have, um, you know, gotten Simon as my coach. Uh, So really helped me to understand some of the stoic principles and apply them to my life. So, um, so yeah, I know you have something of value to say, because you've already (laughs) helped me out tremendously. Uh, Thank you so much, Tonya. I really appreciate it. Yeah. So um, I want to jump in and I want to just take, you know, our listeners back uh, to the very beginning. Perhaps I know that we've been talking uh, a lot recently, and you mentioned what I would call some aha moments throughout your life that you've made some decisions and that have uh, really shaped who you've become and your path to stoicism. So, can you start, you know, just by telling us a little bit more about um, yourself, your background, and how you came to stoicism? Yeah, definitely. Well, I, I guess um, you'll probably learn a little bit about my background as I tell you about my story uh, getting to Stoicism. So I might just, I might start there, you know, as, as, as I said, you know, I'm here on the Sunshine Coast in, uh, in the beautiful Queensland, Australia. And uh, so I actually, straight out of school, I went to study music. 
at the conservatorium um, here in Queensland. And so I was studying jazz trumpet and jazz voice. And uh, I guess I want to start with my, my biggest aha moment for you, because this was kind of one that completely changed my life forever that can, can lead into all of this. And so I was studying music down in Brisbane and it was my 20th birthday. And, uh, and my, my best friend, Lockie, he, he basically came up to me one day and or, sorry, on my 20th birthday. And he said, Hey, listen, there's this, this great speaker, uh, that's doing a, doing a talk over in town hall. His name's Eric Thomas. Uh, some of your listeners have probably heard of Eric Thomas. Uh, he calls himself the hip hop, uh, hip hop personal development preacher or something <laughs> like that. Uh, but, uh, so basically you know, I was a little bit, uh, you know, uh, you know, maybe I'll go, go along and check it out. You know, I'd never really been to one of those talks before, uh, but I wasn't too sure what to expect. And, uh, and also I'd, I'd never really read a personal development book in my life. In fact, I'd only ever read one book all the way through in my entire life up to 20 years old. And so at that point I was an absolute literary noob, you know, I just, I had no idea. And, you know, I got through school really well and I got through university really well and I was getting great grades and everything. I just, I wasn't a learner and I wasn't a reader. Um, mm. It was kind of like that, uh, that, that quote that you hear from, I don't know whether it's Mark Twain or someone like that. It's like your, your education doesn't stop uh, with your schooling, you know, it keeps on going afterwards. And so, so basically I went to this uh, talk in the city and something that Eric Thomas said that day created a massive aha moment in my life. And he said that information changes situations. And when he said that, uh, it completely blew my mind because I started thinking about my life and I started thinking, you know, wow, you don't read any books. You don't self-educate. <laughs> you're not out there looking for new information. You're just kind of drifting through life, just getting along with it. And I was doing well, there was nothing wrong with how I was doing in life. But I just had this moment where I was like, if I'm doing this well, how much better could I be doing if I actually decided to self-educate, to take my own personal learning seriously and to figure out what all of this life means. And so, you know, I went out of that, uh, out of that talk that day, just absolutely inspired um, and you know, over the next year of my life, I decided to read, uh, probably I think 80 to 90 books, um, oh just all on, you know, personal development on life, on philosophy. Uh, I started listening to a ton of podcasts, you know, uh, started and failed in businesses. It was brilliant. It was such a great <laughs> year because, because I just decided to start learning and start doing things. And uh, by the end of that year, I was, you know, set sail on, on the largest cruise ship in the world with my jazz quartet uh, playing, you know, jazz in the quartet, sorry, in the, uh, in the jazz club on the ship every single night, you know, which was kind of a dream for me. And, uh, you know, so basically the way that I came to stoicism, which was kind of another aha moment was uh, because I was self-educating, because I was learning all this new stuff and listening to podcasts, I started listening to Tim Ferriss. And when I started listening to Tim Ferriss, he said that his favorite book was a book called Letters from a Stoic, uh, which was actually a collection of letters written by uh, one of the Stoic philosophers called Seneca. Uh, and he wrote these letters to his friend Lucilius. And in these letters, what you find is, you know, over 2000 years ago, these two friends talking back and forth about how to live a good life. 
and uh, particularly from Seneca's, Seneca's point of view, uh, how to live a life that was in accordance with the Stoic philosophy. Uh, and so that book just completely changed my life. As soon as, as soon as I started reading Seneca, uh, my mind was blown and I was absolutely hooked on this incredible philosophy uh, that can teach us how to live an effective life. So I guess those are a couple of my aha moments that have led me to where I am now. Wow. Well, those are awesome. And I love that, that quote that kind of um, stuck out for you, information changes situations. Mm. And um, it took you on a journey, you know, and I said you were all in, as you were telling me, you were reading 80 to 90 books and podcasts and all of that just really all in and then moved over into listening and reading um, about Seneca and the, and the Stoics. Now, so many people, when, when they hear Stoicism, they do think of this ancient philosophy that, you know, how relevant is that today? So what caught you uh, as you were reading some of these early books that you read, what, what caught you and, you know, kind of where you said, no, this is not ancient living. This is today's living. Mm. Yeah. Well, one of the, the, one of the ways that I describe Stoicism is I see it as the original personal development philosophy. Now mm. that has a tendency to kind of downgrade the philosophy. It has a tendency to give it a few little connotations that you might not necessarily want it to have. But the reason why I say that is because I had already been reading so many of these personal development books written by, you know, these modern personal development leaders, things like seven habits for highly effective people, you know, uh, you know, things by Tony Robbins, all these sorts of things. And when I started reading the Stoics, what I started seeing was, okay, wow, like these ideas that I'm reading today are just, you know, the same ideas that they talked about over 2000 years ago, just, changed up a little bit, you know, changed in the wording. Mm -hmm. And, and so for me, it was, it was something that made complete sense. All of these ideas that they discussed back then, the Stoics particularly, uh, they, they just stick out to you as something that really just makes sense. And I can, I can give you an example. Uh, for okay. example, one of the uh, principles that the Stoics taught uh, came from a, a Latin phrase uh, that goes, amor fati. Now, amor fati means love your fate. Right. And it essentially means whatever happens to you, act as if it is good for you. Whatever happens to you, act as if you can take something from it and use it uh, for posterity in your life. Uh, and, and so so the great thing about this idea is that it actually links perfectly with the idea that we hear so much in personal development literature today, which is that you should act as if your life is happening for you and not to you. Right. Mm -hmm. So if, if you change your mindset, around the way that things happen to you in your life and you start acting as if things are happening for you, uh, that things that happen to you are actually good for you, uh, then you'll actually get so much more about life, uh, so much more out of life and you'll be able to see opportunities that you would never have seen before if you had have just been going through life acting as if all of these horrible things are happening to you. And there's so many of these great ideas that the Stoics taught that have transferred so beautifully over the ages uh, to the point that we can literally use it as a guide to life now more than ever. And so it's really, it's a philosophy that keeps on uh, kind of progressing with time and we always add and take things away from it, uh, trying to perfect it as we move along. 
but in the end, the core principles of Stoicism are ideas that really are absolutely timeless and they just make sense, which is why so many people email me and say, you know, listen, I'm, I'm really enjoying the podcast. And when I started finding out about Stoicism, it just made sense to me. I felt like this was something that, that is just so easy to follow because it's all very rational and logical. So yeah. I, I guess that's, that's what uh, Stoicism kind of stood out to me as anyway. Yeah, that's understandable completely because that's kind of what I would say I'm, I'm a babe or I'm an infant in uh, studying Stoicism, but that is what is resonating with me as well. And I'm so glad you started with Amor Fati um, because even in my work as I'm talking to leaders uh, who may get um, you know, stressed out about uh, something that is happening, I, I've introduced that term, like Amor Fati, mm -hmm. and, and now they are even repeating that um, and remembering that. But it's such um, a great, uh, I don't know what you call it. Is it stoic principle or yeah, is that what you call it? I, I tend to call something like that. Yeah. One of the, one of the stoic tools and tactics, right? Okay. And it, it might be helpful for me to kind of explain like that might've been your next question, but to explain, you know, exactly what stoicism is and maybe some of the core ideas that they taught would that, would that might maybe be something that I, I could do now? Yeah. But before we jump in, before we go there, I want to say Definitely. just on Morfati and I absolutely want to get into what is stoicism you know, why you think it's important. It's often misunderstood, but just since you brought up Amor Fati as one of the tools and tactics, it does, it is, it does align with a lot of personal development. I, I have at my desk where I'm sitting right now, a quote from Eckhart Tolle, not sure if you know him, but um, it says, whatever the present moment contains, accept it as if you had chosen it. And so that to me is also just a variation of love your fate. And in, in Buddhism, we hear a lot of really practicing this principle of acceptance. And, you know, there are certain things that are within us to change, and there are certain things that are not um, ours to change or ours to fix. And being able to accept our fate, love our fate, um, is can bring peace uh uh i think uh, inwardly what do you mm. think no i i absolutely 100 percent agree and and that's that's the cool thing about going back to the original source of all of these modern personal development ideas because you what what you end, end up going back to is things like taoism things like stoicism mm -hmm. uh you know things like buddhism all of these and and, and Honestly, even um, there's so much of these ideas found within the Bible as well. It, th mm -hmm. These ancient ideas that have stood the test of time. And what's really interesting is you find them all over the world, right? And so, and so there's just these great ideas that we can find everywhere and they just work. It, it, and, and that's why it's so good to go back to the original source because it gives you a sense of trust. Like if, if these ideas have lasted this long, maybe there's something of value in them, right? Yeah, maybe they were on to something and we should listen. Definitely. So let's, let's talk about stoicism, define it for our listeners. And um, I also want to get into kind of, you know, stoicism is often misunderstood. So tell us what stoicism is. Definitely. Now, 
Uh, there are so many great people talking about stoicism today, and I never pretend to be the expert on stoicism. So what you're about to hear is my interpretation more than anything. Uh, but I, I tend to believe that I have somewhat of a grasp, hopefully after you know 250 episodes talking about this philosophy. Uh, so we'll see. But uh, basically, stoicism, it's this philosophy, it's over 2000 years old, started by a guy called Zeno of Citium. Uh, in Greece, uh, in Athens, in Greece. Um, and so this was a time uh, back then, I think it was around uh, 300 BC. Um, this was a time where they had you know, created democracy. And so there was a lot of, there were a lot of ideas flowing around Athens, um, and a lot of really great thinkers. And so you had different Stoic schools that started. And, uh, and this was one of those Stoic schools. Sorry, one of these philosophy, sorry, philosophy, oh my gosh, schools of philosophy. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, and so this was one of the schools of philosophy in, in Athens. Uh, and so basically what happened as uh, Zeno started this philosophy and it just took off and the, the core idea of this philosophy, the idea that we all look to as the ultimate aim of Stoicism is to align with nature. And, and this is actually, it, it's kind of a complex idea, but I kind of break it down into kind of a visual for people. So if, if you could all kind of imagine a lion, right? Consider a lion for a moment. The lion isn't necessarily perplexed about what his role is within the universe that we live in, right? The lion just gets up in the morning. If he's hungry, he goes and hunts. He lays around with his pride all day. Uh, you know, but, but we are very, we're very uh, interested in the lion, you know, his courage, his teeth, his mane, you know, he's, he's always hunting and we're very interested in what the lion does within his ecosystem. But as I said, the lion's not very perplexed about anything. And if you think about it, human beings are really the only things, creatures, whatever you call us here on this planet, here in this universe that are very perplexed about what our place is. We're the only ones who really think about like, what should we do with our lives? What are we here for? Why are we here? Uh, you know, how should we act? How should we live? And that's a very interesting thing to note, right? Because you don't see any other creature in, in the wild or any other plant or any other rock. Like you won't see a rock just get up one day and be like, what am I doing? What am I like? <laughs> it just doesn't happen. And, what and is that's, my purpose for today? Exactly. Like the rock just knows its purpose, right? And, and so without getting into the weeds, that, that question is at the very core of what Stoicism is. And in fact, I kind of put it like this. I believe that they had three core questions about life that really helped them to understand how we should be living. And, and those questions are kind of like this. The first question has to do with the discipline of physics, right? So their question is, you know, what is all of this around us that we're seeing and what is our place within what we're seeing here? So you might say, you know, the cosmos, the universe, like what is our place within the universe and what is all this? That's the study of physics for them. Then once they figured that out, it was kind of like, okay, well, now that we know what our place is here and, you know, now that we know what all of this is, or at least we have some understanding, what does that mean in terms of how we should act in our lives. And that's the ethics side of stoicism. And so you have the physics, which is what is all this? You have the ethics, which is how should I act because of all this? And then you have the final question, which is how do I even know that I'm right? 
<laughs> and that's the logic side of stoicism. So you have the physics, you have the ethics, and you have the logic. And the logic is what helps us to even understand how we are, we are thinking about these problems and if we're correct. And that sounds very complex, but it's actually very simple because when it comes down to it, Stoicism is all about asking these important questions about what it means to be a human being and what it means that we're here in this universe experiencing all this. And, and also it's about finding out how to think more effectively. And so the Stoics, to, to break it down a little bit more for people, the Stoics essentially came up with a guide to life by saying, okay, trees, they have their own unique virtues. Uh, you know, animals, they have their own unique virtues. Everything within this universe is a well-ordered whole. Like everything works together to create this beautiful, incredible thing we call the cosmos. So mm. what is our role in it? Well, we probably have a few unique virtues as human beings as well that make us who we are. And that if we were to align with these virtues, then we would be aligning with nature, which means that we could achieve what is the ultimate goal of stoicism, which is a flourishing life, which means to, you know, to, to basically be in alignment with nature and with those unique virtues. And so uh, basically uh, the Stoics said, okay, rationality, that is a very unique human virtue. We can think about these things. We can think about how to think. We can think about what's the best decision for me to make right now. So, as a human being, I need to be rational and I need to think about how to live a good life. And uh, they gave us what they called the four cardinal virtues. And these virtues are basically courage, temperance, justice, and wisdom. And the idea behind these virtues is someone like Marcus Aurelius, who was a Stoic, he said, uh, you know, think about any situation in life that would not be benefited by implementing more of these uh, four cardinal virtues, courage, temperance, justice, and wisdom. There's no situation in life that wouldn't be better if I was to align with these virtues. And so at the core of Stoicism, as I said, it's about figuring out first what all this is, second, how we should act, and third, how we know that we're right. And then they gave us this kind of framework for how to live an effective life as a human being, which can teach you you know, this is my place in the universe and this is how I should act. So that, I hope that that clears up a few things for people. Oh, it's, it's wonderful. This framework, I had not heard of the physics, ethics and logic, but it makes perfect sense. Mm. Um, what I have heard of a lot, cause I, you know, uh, my podcast and website and all of that is uh, your aha life. What I hear a lot, though, is flourishing and the good life and being a good person. Can you just share uh, a little bit more on that and enlighten us around what is flourishing and what is the good life and, um, and being a good person? Yeah, definitely. So I might, I might start by kind of reframing this. So, so the Stoics had a word called eudaimonia, right? And eudaimonia is the word that roughly translates to a flourishing life. And they said that this flourishing comes from aligning with nature. And as I said, you know, so that basically means aligning with the unique virtues that we have as human beings that make us human being. And one, one conclusion that they came to, which is one of the most beautiful uh, 
ideas that I've ever heard in my life. And it's just completely transformed the way I see the world is, uh, and it's not necessarily a new idea, but they really latched onto it. It's this idea of the cosmos, right? And, and that we are cosmopolitans. So when people talk about stoicism, they actually uh, talk about the Stoics being cosmopolitans. And this means that we understand that the world, similar to the way that the Buddhists see it, uh, is a well-ordered whole. Everything makes sense, right? Uh, if, you, if you look at the world, everything has a place. Everything is created from the same elements and it all goes back into the same system. And when you look at it like this, then you can kind of see, okay, firstly, I'm not separate from nature. In fact, I am an active player in nature and I am a part of this whole thing. Uh, and so maybe going back to the idea that we talked about before of, of letting go of control, maybe there are a few things that I don't control and there are a few things that I do, right? And so coming back to the things that we do control, which is our own rationality, our ability to view the world and to change our own perceptions of the world, we kind of look at, you know, if this is all a well-ordered whole, if we are part of the human species, which has a place here within this universe, maybe there is a certain way that we should act, a certain way that we could live our lives that would be most in accordance with nature. And so when you look at human beings, what you see is that we are social creatures. Uh, you know, we, we tend to want to be around each other. We want to spend time with each other. We tend to have these emotions about each other. Um, you know, we want to have conversations, we want to help. Uh, and, and when you see somebody who goes against human beings, when you see somebody who does something uh, you might consider to be evil or wrong, um, mm -hmm. it, it goes against humanity, right? It, it goes against a certain guiding principle that we all have, which says that, hey, listen, we're a part of the same team. We're a part of the same tribe. Why would you want to hurt me? You know, it's kind of like if you saw, this is a good way to put it. If you saw a lion go and start attacking another lion and trying to kill it just for no reason, you'd say, that seems like a sick lion, right? Because they're a part of the same group. It just doesn't make sense. And so for the Stoics, knowing that we're social creatures, knowing that we're a part of the same tribe, knowing that we all belong to each other and knowing that we are so interconnected and what you do affects the rest of humanity, uh, even in a small way. They basically said, it doesn't make sense that we would want to be unkind to people. It doesn't make sense that we would want to hurt other people. And, you know, someone like Marcus Aurelius again would say, uh, you know, I cannot do any harm to another human being simply because it just doesn't make sense to me because we're a part of the same group. So why would I ever want to hurt any other human being? Mm -hmm. So that kind of understanding of the universe, understanding of the cosmos and our place within it and understanding that we are actually a part of one giant tribe of humanity uh, really helped the Stoics to understand how we should act and how we should live our lives in accordance with other people. Yeah. So when you say someone is is a uh, living a good life or that is a good person this by stoic definition or or beliefs this is um applying their life in accordance with nature and perhaps exemplifying these four c's the cur um, well not four c's the courage the temperance justice and and wisdom is that right that's right yeah the cardinal virtues there and 
that that's that that's exactly right and and you know when it comes down to it uh, the great thing about stoicism is they gave us this guide they said align with nature do that by you know achieving these virtues that are unique to you as a human being but they also gave us a whole bunch of tools and tactics is what i, I tend to call them coming from tim ferris uh and, and these tools and tactics are basically little exercises that you can use in your life that can help you to be a more effective human being. So for example, one of those exercises we call the dichotomy of control. We now understand it to be the trichotomy of control. And this is a brilliant exercise that is best uh, learned from Epictetus, who was one of these Stoic philosophers. And he basically said that if you will understand that there are some things without, that, that are outside of your control and there are some things that are within your control, and if you will only align yourself with those things that are inside of your control and forget about the rest, then you can achieve something that he said was inner tranquility and outer effectiveness. And, and I think that's the most beautiful definition of what can be achieved in stoicism, this inner tranquility, inner peace and outer effectiveness. And I agree. It, I love that, Simon. I love that. It reminds me of the serenity prayer yeah. um, that is, is quoted often as well. But I interrupted you. Go go ahead. No, that's that's actually a brilliant point. You know, that serenity prayer uh, is is exactly what the Stoics are talking about here. It's this idea of saying, listen, there is so much in this world that is outside of my control, but there's really only one thing within my control, right? And that's your own rationality, your ability uh, to look at what's happening to or for you and to change your perceptions about it and to react in the most effective way. And so the Stoics really were, were philosophers who encouraged an inward facing world, like really try to look at your mind and see how you can, uh, you know, change a few nuts and bolts here to make sure that it's working perfectly. And when you can make it work perfectly, then it works for you and not against you. But what I, what I really try to encourage people to think about is it's not all about what you can control. I would say like 80 or 90% of it is about learning what you cannot control and absolutely letting go of it. So the, the classic example is you're stuck in traffic, right? How many of us have been stuck in traffic one day and you just get absolutely infuriated. You're angry, you're cursing, you're like, oh gosh, I'm gonna be late for work. I mean, who doesn't mind being late for work anyway, right? Like, but, but, but people get so angry in traffic. And when you stop and think about it for a second, like you have no power over this traffic. You have no control in this situation whatsoever. And your mind is literally working against you. It's making you believe that you have some element of control in this situation. And when you start to believe that, when you start to play God, when you start to think that you have all the control, that's when you get furious. That's when you get angry about things. You get annoyed, you get anxiety. And, and really the Stoics would have said, you've got to let that go. You've got to forget about those things that you can't control, like the weather, like traffic, you know, like, like pretty much everything outside of your own mind. Mm -hmm. And you've just got to focus on what you can control. When you do that, you seriously will get inner tranquility and outer effectiveness. And that can help you to live such a good life. Yeah, I love that one. What's another one, Simon? Another oh, tactic. We've got so many. Uh, I, I'll, I'll talk about one that's tattooed on my arm. It's called Memento Mori. Uh, now, Memento Mori is this phrase that means remember death, right? 
and it seems like a really morbid one. In fact, I probably should have brought it up after talking about a few other stoic <laughs> techniques, but it, it seems very morbid and people don't quite get it when they see my tattoo. But, uh, but the idea behind it is understand that we're here and we die, right? This is a fact of life. It will always be a fact of life. Everything in the universe must be created and then it must die. And so for us, uh, this is actually a very important fact of life because not only do we die, but we know we die, right? And that's a very important fact. We actually understand that every single day we are coming closer to death. And the Stoics told us that you need to have death on your mind constantly because then you will realize that you only have this moment. If you know that at any moment you could die, which is a fact, because you could walk out of your house today and get hit by a truck and that's it, right? Like that you could, that's an absolute fact. But if you remember that, then every moment becomes absolutely precious. Every moment becomes a moment that you can uh, live your life to the best of your abilities and become the best that you can be so that you can leave a positive ripple throughout humanity. Uh, in the years to come. But if you don't remember death and if you push against it, again, it goes back to that idea of playing God and you just don't have control over that. So it's probably better to align with the fact that you die and understand that this could motivate me to be better than to constantly kick against the grain. Um, and I guess maybe to, to, to give you one more uh, tactic that is, is a little bit less morbid, uh, I, I would I would say uh, the idea of negative visualization, which is another one that is taken out of context, but it's this idea that you should look forward into your future only for a brief moment to see what could possibly go wrong to you. And when you ask that question, what could possibly go wrong to me? What are all the things that could happen or that I could do that can, could completely mess up my life? it's kind of a meditation that leads you to one place, right? Because you keep on saying, okay, well, this could happen and that could happen and I could die and my family could die and all of these things could happen. And you realize at the end that everything could happen to you. And so really you only have one place that is safe. And that is to think in your rational mind about all the ways that you could change or better be prepared for these things that could happen to you. And so when you understand that so much could happen to you and it probably will happen to you, you only have one choice. Focus on your own rationality. Focus on your ability as a human being, your virtue as a human being to make the most out of every situation, to, to be prepared for each situation. And in this way, that technique of negative visualization can really create such effective human beings uh, that, that are better able to face the trials and hardships of life that can be turned into opportunities. Yeah, that's so fascinating. I'm, I'm glad you shared um, the, the tactics that you did share. And I know that, like you said, there are so many more, but the three, the Amor Fati, the Memento Mori, and negative visualization are, the, are three that I have um, began to internalize and it's interesting that you went back to, they, they kind of um, help you to remember just your rationalization. What I believe like memento mori and negative visualization, uh, where I go with that is gratitude. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Because mm -hmm. yes, so we could die at any time, 
So be grateful for today, you know, be, be, make the most of today um, because every moment is precious. And then negative visualization, what could go wrong and how do you plan for that? But being grateful that, you know, things are, are not, not that way right now. And I realize that what good negative visualization just helps you prepare for the worst. And, and so that whatever happens, you can, you know, you can move forward uh, with it. Mm. That's yeah. exactly right. And, and I want to add one thing, if that's okay, just because sure. uh, that idea of gratitude as well is so important, especially in stoicism. Like they, they, if you read from the Stoics, these were some of the most grateful people on earth. Like you read from Marcus Aurelius and, you know, he would, he would talk about how incredibly beautiful it is to see the cracks on the top of a loaf of bread when, when it's come out of the oven fresh and you take a look at this and, and he would say, you know, how, how incredible it is, is it that, that these cracks form in different ways and we just don't know which way they're going to go, but it's, it's so beautiful. It creates a work of art when you really understand stoicism, you start to almost fall in love with everything, right? Everything becomes beautiful. Every beco everything becomes exquisite to you because it's all we have, right? It, this, is, this is what we have. And so you might as well enjoy the ride. Like somebody like Seneca said, uh, you know, it makes more sense to laugh at life than to bemoan it because it shows the lighter side of our spirit. You know, laugh at life, enjoy life, go through it with a kind hearted spirit. And, and something else that they did, which really cultivates gratitude was they would encourage us to uh, what they called practice poverty, right? And this essentially means if you're afraid of something, uh, or if you think that something is bad, take poverty, right? We, especially in Western culture, we have this idea that, that poverty is bad, that, that being poor is bad, having no money is bad. Well, the Stoics would have said, listen, why don't you take a weekend or take a week to go without, right? To maybe wear the cheapest clothes, eat the simplest of foods, you know, maybe live on very little money. And when you Take do a that, shower. <laughs> yeah, exactly, right? Like just live very simply. And what you'll find out is that there's nothing evil about it, there's nothing bad about it. You can actually be very happy with very little, but you just need to change your perceptions around it and you need to voluntarily go in there yourself into the fire and experience it. And the great thing about this, coming back to what I said about it being the, the source of so many ideas that we see today, this is exactly what is taught in modern psychology. The idea that if you're afraid of something, what you need to do is voluntarily face that fear. You need to go in and you need to put yourself in that situation that you're afraid of voluntarily. And when you do that, you start to learn that there's nothing scary about this. There's nothing wrong with this it's actually just a natural part of life. And I, as a human being, am created or am, am formed by nature to bear this, right? I'm, I'm able to do this, just like the millions of people who have come before me. And so this idea of negative visualization, this idea of practicing poverty, put your, putting yourself in these situations, it really does create a massive gratitude for your life and it can help you to overcome these, these really unhelpful perceptions that we have about the world. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so I want to switch gears a, a little bit. I, Let's I, do it. Like I want to <laughs> be conscious of our time together, but if, if someone is really, you know, from listening to us today, listening to you primarily, 
um, is interested in exploring Stoicism for their lives. Now they're seeing it as, as more practical. What would you advise them? How, where would they start? Mm. Yeah, I think there are, there are two ways that I'd go about this. If you feel that you're wanting to get kind of an overall picture of the philosophy, or you would like to see some of the modern interpretations of this philosophy that can help, um, obviously my podcast is helpful, but there are some, there are some really great, great thinkers and philosophers out there who have written books uh, that are just so helpful. Um, you know, people like Massimo Pigliucci, uh, you know, you've got people like Donald Robertson, um, and there's actually a list, um, people can head onto my website and just head to the link. It's called the, the ultimate stoic reading list. Uh, and I've actually put there, there's, there's reading lists for all of the ancient stoics and people back then. And then there's also a list uh, specifically of modern authors, um, and some of the best books there. So the two ways that I'd go about is either, you know, jump into something from a modern author like Massimo Pigliucci or Donald Robertson or, or even Ryan Holiday, you know, um, or yes. if you're already kind of, you, you're an avid reader, you like to go back to the original source. My personal suggestion for people is just go back to those original sources. Um, because you know, there's nothing like going back to the original person who said these ideas. Um, and they're just so inspiring. So you have three main books that I would recommend. Uh, one of them is called letters from a stoic and that's, uh, letters from Seneca, as I mentioned at the start. Uh, that's absolutely beautiful. And, and it, when you read that, it's almost as if he's speaking to you because he's writing to a friend. And so it's a very personal, uh, personal book to read. Then you have Meditations by Marcus Aurelius. And Marcus was uh, one of the five good emperors of Rome. Uh, we call him the philosopher king, right? And, yeah. and his book Meditations is actually, uh, it's, it's a collection of uh, his diary entries. Uh, so this was a personal, personal book to him that he never intended for publication. So I, you kind of feel guilty for reading it, but, uh, but what it is, <laughs> is Mark. Simon, it's on my nightstand. I read a little bit each day. It's so good, right? Like it's, it's yeah. so personal and, and, and he really talks about life and how to live a good life. And, um, that is another excellent source of wisdom for you. Um, and then the final one is anything by Epictetus. Uh, so there's a great uh, Penguin Classics version, which is uh, discourses and selected writings, um, and also the Enchiridion, which is Epictetus's kind of, uh, you know, handbook for life. Um, and and so, yeah, if, if you want to get an overall picture, go to the modern Stoics. If you want to go straight to the original source, go back to those ancient Stoics, and you will find so much uh, enjoyment in reading those ideas. Oh, sure. And just listen to your podcast because totally. you, I'd love to have you there. <laughs> yes. Yes. I encourage it. It's, it's um, really interesting and you've had such great uh, guests on lately. I've been listening. Uh, I think you had Travis Hume on and Michael Tremblay most recently, really great podcast. And you're also a coach. And so people who are definitely interested and want to apply stoic principles in their life in a way that that is right for them. I think um, I definitely give you a plug there, Simon, because I appreciate that. <laughs> so no, I appreciate that. And just so you know, um, I, I still have uh, at least uh, 15, uh, yeah, I'd say 15 minutes. So if you want to keep on going, I'm more than happy to. I'm just not sure if you are about to wrap up there. 
No, no, no. I have a couple more questions. Excellent. Keep it coming then. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's wonderful. I could go on and on, but yes, I have a couple more questions I want to dig in into here. And I want to just say, while I'm thinking about it, we'll, we'll get all of your links um, and put them in the show notes so people can, um, they'll know how to reach you uh, afterwards and maybe even the, the resources list that you talked about. I appreciate that, Tonya. And, and, and on that note as well, you know, I've just remembered now that yesterday I was working on an entire page on my website that will be dedicated just to giving an overview like I've done in this episode about the ideas of stoicism. So uh, I'll give you that link as well, because that should be up in a couple of days and that will hopefully be a really helpful recap for people. Perfect. Perfect. Sounds great. Thank you. So I want to talk about this um, exercise that I know you have a lot of your new clients do because I got a chance to do that. And it's they're per crafting or refining your personal life philosophy. Can you share a little bit with the listeners around what that is and why you think that is a great place to start? Mm. Yeah. So, so the Stoics, they, they obviously had this obsession with philosophy, right? They said that you should fall in love with philosophy uh, because philosophy is the guiding light that we see, you know, it, it, your personal philosophy or any philosophy is simply a framework for how to live life. And so the way that I see it is, um, you know, nature is what, you know, basically forms us, creates us. Uh, then you have uh, culture, which is something that can shape us. And then you have philosophy, which is the thing that guides us. And the thing about philosophy is whether or not you think you have a philosophy, you have a philosophy, right? A philosophy is simply, you know, a, a guiding framework for your life. And so, so every decision you make is made out of your own personal philosophy. And so what I suggested to people a couple of years ago on my podcast is, uh, you know, basically life is too short to not have a clear aim for what you want to do with your life or how you want to live your life. And so why don't you sit down and write out the specific areas of your life, like your relationships, your finances, your career, your health, uh, your contribution, your community, uh, write out all these areas and then write down a few notes in each of these areas about exactly the kind of life that you want to live, essentially coming up with your own personal philosophy, right? So maybe you don't have to just follow stoicism or just follow christianity or just follow buddhism or just follow any philosophy right maybe what you could do is take the best of what you've learned so far and put that in your own guiding principles your own guiding philosophy and what this does uh, you, you know there's this, this this idea from seneca the stoic who said uh, you know, if you don't know which port you're sailing to, then no wind is favorable, right? So if you, if you don't clearly know uh, how you want to live your life, if you haven't clearly defined that, then you're just going to wander, you're just going to drift through life, right? There's going to be no guiding purpose for you. So what you want is you want a clear idea of how you want to act. And when you have that clear idea of what, how you want to act and how you want to live your life, that can be your guiding principle. That is your port, right? That's how you know when you're messing up and when you're doing really well. And this has just been helpful for so many people. And I, I tell every single one of my clients at the start, this is what I want you to do before our first big session. I want you to write down a bunch of thoughts about how you want to live your life. Because without that, everything else is just drifting. That's all it is. And it just really helps you to clarify, uh, you know, 
maybe a few of the areas that you might need some improvement in. Um, and it really gives you kind of that compass for life is, is how I put it. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Um, I would say my, my language, uh, you're undoubtedly will have a lot of ahas through that. There are some things that, you know, for me personally were really clear. Uh, and then there were some things that I hadn't really even thought about. And um, so going through that exercise and having to put, you know, pen to paper or, or, or put it into my computer really made me think about, you know, how I see my life and where I, where my values are clear, where my values are unclear and how do I want to show up in this world? So it was really helpful uh, to me. And I think as you do counsel, it's, it's helpful to keep going back to it and refining it over time. And I've continued to, to look at that as well. That's it. You know, it, it's not something that is stuck forever. It, it needs to be very flexible. Uh, you need to be able to move through life and, and say, okay, well, you know, maybe back then this idea was good, but now I see that it's actually leading me to a, 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 a you know, negative path. Um, and, and, you know, this is, this whole idea is, is really why I call myself an alignment coach. It's what I'm really passionate about because I've seen so many people change their lives just as a result of sitting down and thinking about the kind of person they want to be. Mm -hmm. And if you think about it, we all have this idea at the back of our minds of how we should live our life. And the times when we feel most unfulfilled or we feel you know, like we're just not living up to our expectations, it's those times when you're not living up to the person who you could and should be. So when you're writing your personal philosophy, that's actually a great question to ask. It's like, who could I be and who should I be? Wow. Everybody will come up with a good answer to those questions. And uh, there's this great quote from Epictetus. He says, first, say to yourself what you would be, then do what you have to do. And so my whole purpose as an alignment coach is based around that quote. I first help people to understand who they would be, who they could be, you know, if, if they decided to actually write it down, uh, get a very clear idea of their personal ideal, their personal philosophy. Uh, and then, you know, I basically hold them accountable to starting to live as if they could actually attain that personal philosophy, that personal ideal for themselves. And I'm so passionate about that because I know that it's so helpful for people. And this is something that you can just do at home today in a couple of hours and, and it will drastically improve uh, your direction in life. Yeah. You know, it, as you were talking, it reminded me that you've just recently kind of made a switch um, that you left your kind of full-time um, uh, previous job or, or career and went you know, full on into the practical stoic. And um, I'm so happy that you've, you've, you're doing that because I think the messages that you have and the guests that you're bringing on, but also your own insight, um, Simon, is so beneficial and so helpful to, to others. So I'm so grateful you're doing that. I, I appreciate that, Tonya. You know, that was that was kind of another aha moment for me. You know, the way I see aha moments, um, which might be similar to the way that you describe them is it's kind of a moment where you, you might get a flash of inspiration and idea who knows where ideas and thoughts come from. Right. But you know, we, we kind of, we just, they just pop there from time to time. And, 
Um, the idea that I got was like, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've come pretty far in this career within the fitness industry, managing a gym. I absolutely loved my job. This was not an easy, well, it was an easy, it was an easy decision because of the aha moment. Right. But, uh, I absolutely loved my job, loved my boss, you know, had great people in the gym. Uh, and it was just so beautiful, but I came to a moment where I kind of thought, is this my long-term prospect is this my long-term plan for my life or should i jump 100 back into the practical stoic podcast where i know that people are getting value i know that people really are, are listening to this and 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 getting so much out of it that's helping them uh, i kind of said to myself there's there's i got that feeling that was so strong that this is where you need to go that I kind mm -hmm. of had to let go. I had to say, you know what, this is an aha moment and you know, this is inspiration, whatever it is. I cannot do anything other than this. And yeah. even though it was scary, everything just kind of lined up at the time. And, you know, I really truly do believe Tonya that when you have those aha moments, you, you have to, you have to jump at them. You have to take them, um, you know, and you have to kind of just go after it 100%. And when you do that, things will start to happen for you. Uh, you'll start to see things happening in your life that you would never have seen before. You'll start to go in directions that you would never have gone before. Um, yeah. And to me, that is kind of the essence of what it means uh, to align myself with nature as well. It's like, I don't get what's happening here, but I know that I'm being pushed in a certain direction. So I'm just going to go and I'm going to enjoy oh, the adventure. <laughs> Pushed or, or guided. You're right. I That's think it. these aha moments are like breadcrumbs. They're trying to teach us, trying to show us the path that is our best and highest self and, and experience and purpose and passion and all of that. And I think if we are just quiet enough and listen uh, enough, mm. we will hear that. And then, then it's on us to make, you know, make that um, make a move or respond to that in some positive, in some positive way. So, That's it. And, and I, ha I have to add to that, Tonya, because yeah. what you said there is so important. Quiet yourself, you know, just find that, that peace, that calm, that quiet that allows you to see things. So, uh, you know, I just had a conversation the other day with uh, Sharon LaBelle, uh, just an incredible person who, who translated some of Epictetus's works into a, um, a book called The Art of Living. Um, a beautiful one that I would recommend for anyone who wants to understand stoicism. But we both, we both agreed in that conversation that one of the core ideas that stoicism is trying to teach us is, listen, you're in a world of chaos. The only way that you can get through this is to forget about the things you can't control. And that means quieting yourself, like find some peace, pay attention, right? Listen to what's happening around you. If you will pay attention, if you'll be peaceful, if you'll find quiet, if you you listen to what's happening in your life, I can guarantee that you will find times when you cannot act in any other way other than what you've been guided to, to act, right? And I think that that's why meditation works for so many people. I've come to this place in my life, not through meditation, but by aligning myself with these stoic principles. And I find this as somewhat of a meditation, you know, I, I really do like it, it allows me to quiet my mind. But I think the reason why meditation is so helpful for people is because people just don't know how to sit with life. Right. And if you yeah. can just sit there for a moment, even if it's five minutes of just quiet and trying to not think about anything, 
it can, it can actually help you to open your mind to listen to what, whatever's happening around you. And when you listen, you start to actually hear things, <laughs> not, yeah. not in a creepy way, but it, you know, maybe way, life will show the way, way, you know, in a reassuring way, in a confirming yeah. way, you know, because I believe we, I mean, I know stoicism, we talk a lot about rationality and being rational, but I believe my side, I believe there is this intuitive side as well that maybe comes through wisdom. If one of those four cardinal virtues that does, um, you know, when we are quiet, the answers do come to us. Mm -hmm. And um, so for me, that is, yeah, yes, rationality, but also that intuitive nature uh, that we have if we will just listen and like you say, pay attention. And, and you know what, Tonya, that, that's exactly right. And the way that I kind of rationalize this to myself is I say, why would everything else on earth, everything else within the universe, simply know how to act and how to live, but yes. humans don't, right? <laughs> Maybe yes. if we were to quiet ourselves and stop overthinking life, Maybe if we were to, you know, like, like they teach in Taoism, you know, don't push too much, don't force it, right? Just listen. Maybe if you listen, you'll find that we as human beings also have some sort of inbuilt biological compass that allows us to simply know which direction to move. And that doesn't necessarily come from stoicism. That doesn't necessarily, you know, come from any specific idea. It's kind of a, a you know, general idea taught around the world in different philosophies. But mm -hmm. uh, that's the way that I see it. You know, why would everything else have an internal compass except for us? It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're absolutely right. Well, Simon, this has been wonderful, wonderful conversation. I have one final question though that I am teeing up to all of my guests. Mm -hmm. And I know that you say, you know, rise to the good life. And I say your aha life, you take your pick. I'm asking you, what is the good life or what is the aha life for Simon Drew? Yeah, I've been thinking about this. And honestly, I think, I think with both of them, I would have to say it comes back down to writing, sorry, to, to asking the right questions of life. Mm. Uh, you know, questions I've come to understand are the most important thing that you can think about in your life. For me, I had a giant aha moment when I asked one question and it was, it was essentially what would my life look like if I decided to clearly define exactly what would be good for me and how I could live my life. If I was to define, you know, what are all the things that I could and should be doing, even if they were impossible, right? And what would my life look like if I actually acted and lived as if I could achieve those things? Mm. That was the question that really turned my life around in that moment wow. when I was thinking about quitting my job. And, and, and what I came to was, man, like life is about questions. If you ask the right questions, it, they will empower yeah. you to find what is good in life and also to live in the best way possible. And so, you know, an aha moment for me is, and living the good life for me is in those moments where you have an opportunity to ask the right question, maybe decide to act off those correct questions, right? <laughs> and like act as if you could actually live a really great life, an effective life. And, and that's the only way to find out if you can. Yeah. Wow. This is so rich, Simon. So, so rich. Thank you so much again. And uh, for my guests, for, for my uh, listeners, please, if uh, 
you listen to this and you want more from, from Simon, uh, find, look at the show notes. You'll see the links in there and a way to get in touch with him. And Simon, you'll have to come back to your aha life. Uh, Tonya, I would absolutely love to. I, you know, I'm always happy to have a conversation with you. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. So thank you so much. Before I go, I have some exciting news to share. I am pleased to announce the launch of my brand new website. After months of hard work, the site is now available and you can find it at www.yourahalife.com. My desire with this brand new website is to bring together all the ways in which you can experience and cultivate your aha life. There, you will be able to access this podcast. You'll be able to read articles that I've written just for you to inform, inspire, and celebrate the journey that you're on. And you can also find out more about my Facebook group, The AHA Community. And yes, I hope that you will click to join. You will find on the site access to resources that I've curated that have been helpful for me on my own AHA journey and that I hope are helpful to you as well. Among the features on the site are different ways that you can connect with me via Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And lastly, by visiting the site, you'll find a free tool that I've created just for you that will help you to discover your purpose. Check it out, and I hope that you will subscribe to the monthly newsletter. Thank you so much. As you may know, this is a personal passion of mine. I have the good fortune of having a wonderful career that I also love and find rewarding but this aha life is a personal passion and I hope to stay connected with you and that I can become a welcome friend, partner and resource to you on your journey to living your aha life, which is a life of more joy, more purpose and more fulfillment. So thank you so much again, a visit, visit the website at www.yourahalife.com and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. Come back again for another episode that will inspire you to live the life you dream about and the life you are meant to live. I'm Tanya Harris Cornelius, and this is Your AHA Life.